military as a lieutenant colonel in the British Army and been uh, responsible for a number of high positions and then communications in different parts of the world. And um, Stu's been part of a, a group that meets with me on a Wednesday along with Greg Scully um, and Andre. So it's awesome and we begin to know each other and just uh, share hearts. So he's also part of the leadership team now along with Joe and Greg, myself and Stu that's going to shape these nights going forward this year. And so it's just awesome we can have someone that is uh, a leader in his own right and the calibre of Stu here to share. And so with that, I just want to invite him up and come and share what you know about leadership, Stu. Let's welcome Stu. It's, um, it's amazing how times change. Once upon a time, I'd walk in the door, uh, walk in the garage, grab a bag and say to Liz... I'll see you when I see you. Um, Greg asked me to do this on Sunday afternoon. And uh, my first thought was, well, I won't tell you what my first thought was. <clears throat> my, second <laughs> my second thought was board meeting week, mum's visiting, South Island Monday, Tuesday, work, stuff. The answer was a resounding no. And as a qualified and experienced negotiator and interrogator, <laughs> I knew exactly how to deal with the situation. As I opened my mouth, I said yes. <clears throat> <laughs> but uh, I reflected on that. And um, Richard Branson once wrote, say yes, then figure out how to do it. And then I thought, Stu, Greg asked you to do this. He obviously is insane. <laughs> <clears throat> but by the time I'd run to the car, I had uh, been reminded of uh, Joe Hughes' sermon from Sunday. And I headed straight to the shops and bought some bubbles. <clears throat> After 30 minutes of prancing around the house, blowing bubbles... <clears throat> And no further forward in a lesson about leadership. Um, Liz, a wife far more astute and aware than her husband, walked in and suggested I might have got the wrong end of the stick. <clears throat> Joe spoke about having the right posture. Um, and I was clearly looking in the wrong place. You know, sometimes we spend far too much time looking at God's hands, waiting to receive something rather than looking to his face. And when I lif lifted my face to, um, to his, he said, Stu, you've got this, because I've got you. That's it, done. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, right, here we go. Uh, who is a leader? Right, okay, we'll backtrack just a little bit because we're going to talk about conforming for a minute. Right, what I want you to do is everybody, I'm going to ask a question. And I want everyone, without shouting out, to indicate that they know the answer. All right, without shouting out, just indicate to me that you know the answer. Who knows the fifth letter of the alphabet? Well, that's interesting, isn't it? 
I would suggest we all know the fifth letter of the alphabet is E. So why didn't everyone put their hands up? Because we've conformed. No one decided to do a somersault to get my attention. Nobody winked at me. Come on. Um, <clears throat> people put their hands up because that's what we're taught to do at school. And school is the thing that, put your hand up because you're going to be quiet until you're asked. Um, people who don't put their hand up once they've left school have generally been embarrassed or shamed at school because they got the question wrong or were never asked. So we conform. To take that a step further, the school bell is a way to make children of the industrial age conform to the factory hooter. We conform, and we'll come back to conforming later. Right, okay, so now that we've done that bit, and there are no excuses, hands up, who's a leader? Oh man, right, we got, we, this could take a long time. All right, okay, <laughs> I'll make this easy. Hands up if you are a parent. Um, hands up if you're a sibling. Member of a community? Chief exec of SpaceX? <laughs> um, a Christian, so I'll put my hand down. <laughs> um, a Christian. Right, so we all have responsibilities as leaders. And it's not as scary as we think. From Isaiah 52 we hear, I've got your back, get on with it. Or more correctly, for the Lord will go ahead of you. Yes, the Lord of Israel will protect you from behind. So let's get on and do it. But when we're setting out into the zone of the unknown, sometimes it's helpful to have a few signposts. So that's what we're going to cover for a wee while. Um, Greg stole in the next 10 minutes of my speech because it was all about me. Um, but look, you know, for two and a half decades, I was blessed to lead soldiers on covert operations um, across the globe. Um, I was a spy. I retired as a lieutenant colonel, and in my last job, I was directly responsible for over 200 troops, and over a ye each year, I had responsibility to lead 5,500 soldiers, sailors, and airmen. My, my army career started when I marched up the steps of Old College at um, the Royal Military Academy, Sandhurst. Now, I don't say any of that to brag, all I'm doing is setting the conditions for where we're going to go next. High above the stone steps of Old College, um, within the grounds of the academy, sit the, um, the figures of Mars and Minerva. The first time any Sandhurst officer cadet is permitted to use those steps is the day they're commissioned into the British Army. That Mars, the Roman god of war, is looking down on them shouldn't really come as much of a surprise. But that those officers also hold Minerva's gaze uh, might seem a little bit less relevant. But the commissioning course is a year long, and the cadets study the art of war and embark on a lifetime of learning. So the Roman god of wisdom has every right to look down on them. As British Army officers, these young men and women lead some of the smartest soldiers in a dangerous and ever-changing world. And while the principles of leadership can be taught, it's the application and practice of those principles that make the difference between true leaders and those just going through the motions. 
The motto of Sandhurst is serve to lead. But let's first clear something up. The difference between management and leadership. And using the quote from Field Marshal Slim, who commanded um, the 14th Army in World War II, Burma, um, he said, management is of the mind. More a matter of accurate calculation, of statistics, of methods, timetables, and routine. It is, a it is a practice in science. Managers are necessary. Leaders are essential. Leadership is of the spirit, compounded of personality and vision. Its practice is an art. So, You've been quiet for a few minutes. Let's have another bit of fun. Difference between leaders and managers. How many of you are parents? How many of you have told your children to go and brush your teeth? That's management. <laughs> How many of you have ever taken your son or daughter's hand, taken them to the sink, and brushed their teeth with them? That is leadership. <laughs> so back to back to serve to lead um, so how do we take the principles of leadership and develop them as principles of service and can we go one step further and if we subscribe to the definition of love as described by Scott M. Peck in his book The Road Less Travelled love is the will to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth I can. Um, love is the will to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth. And we can extrapolate that. To love someone, including ourselves, is an act of service. And that mutual growth is achieved through these acts of service. And this aligns with Mother Teresa's view that love in action is service. Or to take the viewpoint of a platoon commander from um, uh, World War II in, um, in Europe. Sound leadership, like true love, to which I suspect it is closely related, is all-powerful. It can overcome the seemingly impossible, and its effect on both leader and led is profound and lasting. So, if love is closely related to leadership, we should get some idea of what leadership is through a better understanding of love. And that's fortunate, because 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 7 tells us, love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. We traditionally think leadership is all about extroverts and shouting. That's a flesh-conforming idea. But right there in Corinthians, we have the values of a Christian leader. So an example of why love is important as a leader. 
I don't know if you've driven on the way up to Greytown, um, Juno Olives on the, um, on the left-hand side. Um, when they first started uh, the, um, the, the idea, the, the, the whole concept of an olive grove, they got the family together and planted the first trees, the first growth. And all of the trees were planted with excitement and love and the anticipation of the adventure to come. Until the last tree. And no one could decide whether it should be the person that was growing or planting the row or the column or whether it should be the owners that were allowed to last the pantry and an argument erupted. Over the years, these trees have grown up. And all of the trees have grown up strong and straight and produced awesome olives. With the exception of one tree. And that tree grew up gnarled and stunted and produced very little fruit. And that was the last tree they tried to plant. As leaders, it is our responsibility to grow strong, upright people who bear fruit. Therefore, the only way to do that is through love. The purpose of Santos training is to develop leadership. Boys and girls arrive from all over the world, mostly the UK, but other countries as well, with different values and standards. And after arrival, the first six weeks is horrible. It is all in the gym, out running, lack of sleep, lots of marching, um, yet minimal rations. The purpose of the period is to break down old values and, as necessary, grow new ones. So that by the time they get to the end of term one, everyone on that parade square has the same values. Selfless commitment, courage, integrity, loyalty, and respect for others. Now the values themselves are important, but beyond what they individually mean, the values gives us an understanding up and down the chain of leadership of how we go about living, how we go about doing our business. Question coming up, you probably know where I'm going with it. Um, the Rock, we've got values. They are. Five to go. Good. Yep, yep. There's only one I haven't heard. Has anyone said discipleship yet? Okay, so we have six values. Family, intimacy, lordship, leadership, evangelism, and discipleship. They are the baseline of our leadership. In the British Army, there's a concept of two up. Any decision a leader makes, they must consider what the leader, two ranks above them, would do. Different levels of headquarters might have their own values but they all sit under the values of the British Army. And as such, our values here at The Rock sit beneath the values of love defined by Paul in 1 Corinthians. Two up also breeds humility. As leaders, we should always be looking up for direction and down in support and love. If ever we feel lost, in the British Army we could speak to our seniors. 
If ever we feel lost, we have God's word. And just a final um, word on values. Matthew 4.19 is a wee bit like the call to arms that caused those boys and girls to arrive at Santa's front gates with one big difference. Come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. Or more traditionally, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Nowadays we can research stuff and understand what we're getting into. Back then the first disciples had none of that, but went by faith. At once, at once, they left their nets. Immediately, they left the boat. Not dissimilar to the advert Shackleton used to find crewmen for the endurances trip to Antarctica. Men wanted for hazardous journey, low wages, bitter cold, long hours of complete darkness, safe return doubtful. Honor and recognition in the event of success. As leaders and followers, we need faith. And to paraphrase the beginning of Hebrews 11, to seize the unseen. But a wee bit like me jumping around trying to figure out this talk, fortunately, even before Sunday's new song, we know John 14:6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We have our way to faith. So we have our values, but we also need a definition of leadership. There are many, but for now, let's go with a leader is a person of character and competence who influences a community of people to achieve a calling. As a people of God, I propose that we amend the definition to a leader is a person of character and competence who influences a community of people to achieve a God-honoring calling by means of the power of Christ. So the character we need for leadership is born out of our values. Our calling is set by our purpose, knowing him, loving others, walking together. If we are to be competent leaders, we need some direction here too, some principles of leadership. Not forgetting we're all doing this while looking to our higher headquarters heaven. There are five behaviors we should utilize. The first one, courage. First Corinthians again, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be men of courage, be strong. But yeah, God's quite interesting when it comes to courage. You don't sort of go, God, give us some courage. Well, you do, but that's generally not what happens. Um, the... Um, First time, in fact, the first time and the last time that, um, that I prayed to God for courage was um, a long, long time ago. I was a very junior officer. I was in Hong Kong, and um, there were problems with uh, pirates coming around the corner from uh, China to steal all the expensive cars and take them back to the mainland and sell them. Uh, so um, I was going out the door with a bunch of Royal Marines um, on fast attack craft to board pirate ships the pirate ships were even faster speedboats with cars on them. Um, yeah, I asked for courage that day. I didn't get any. When I came back, I had some. After that, I didn't ask God for courage again. I simply put my trust in him as I walked out the door. 
in my body armor, assault vest, helmet. <coughs> Carrying at least three weapons, grenades in an armored car. <laughs> with attack helicopters over the top. <laughs> but, you know, courage is both moral and physical. There is the moral courage of doing the right thing at the right time, even when no one is watching. You know, from as little as picking up a piece of litter in the street just because you think, yeah, that's moral courage. All the way up to standing up to someone who's doing something wrong. And then, you know, we are very fortunate. Um, you know, physical courage is still required, but it's not the physical courage that the likes of Paul had to go through that we read about in the Bible. But there is physical courage as well, and you need both kinds, and you need to consider it before you commence anything. So the next one, will. And this is when it begins to get a little bit challenging. Is it our will, or is it God's will, or is it a bit of both? Um, the job that I left the British Army from um, wasn't the job I wanted. A year before that, a job had come up, and I was perfectly qualified from it. In fact, I was the only person in the British Army who could do this job. It was another command, and I was it. And I was, away. I was walking in Scotland at the time, and um, yeah, God and I do an awful lot of talking when I'm in the mountains. And um, I was busy telling God about how right I was for this job. <laughs> and he was walking along with me going, really? Um, and in the end, we sort of got to a bit, and uh, you know, it was quiet. And I turned around at the end and said, look, your call. If I get it, great. If I don't, I don't. But I'm still the man for the job. Um, I didn't get that job. It went to my best friend. A year later, I took command of what could only be described as the best job I have ever had. It was the job that caused me to leave the British Army because it was so good I knew my career couldn't improve. It was the job that caused Liz to say, shall we go to New Zealand? It was a job that brought our family so much joy and happiness, it is difficult to describe what we have seen and what we've been through since we got to New Zealand. It was a decision that brought me to the rock. I could have gone my way. I went God's way. But we, as leaders have to be bold. But we're already bold. You know, if we do the same as David did in Psalms 138, on the day I called, you answered me. You made me bold with strength in my soul. All we've got to do is ask, and you get that boldness. And we need boldness as leaders. We need boldness as Christians, because people sometimes look at us a bit strangely. You've got to be bold to step forward and use that aligned with your courage and we need tenacity. Yeah, children with messy bedrooms. Man, that takes tenacity. But we're taught how to be tenacious in Romans 5, verses 3 and 4. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. So keep at it. 
The next one, rather unfortunately, as leaders, we need intellect. I'll just drop the mic there. <laughs> now, this is a tricky one, um, because again, whose intellect or wisdom should we be using? Proverbs 1 suggests that fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge and that fools despise wisdom and discipline. Colossians 2, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ in whom are hidden all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So once again, we need intellect, but we've got to be careful where we take it from. So here we're talking about God's wisdom. However, as leaders, we need to approach that with imagination, flexibility, and judgment. Let's face it, sometimes down here on earth, we don't get it quite right. We've not yet reached a level of wisdom. Consider the parables that Jesus used to teach and lead. They all have different levels of meaning. Seeds falling on different sorts of soil in Matthew 13 might have been to some an early edition of Country Calendar. <laughs> While to others, Jesus delivered an understanding of listening to the deeper heavenly meanings of his teaching. So use imagination in your leadership in order to get the message across to the people you're talking to. And be flexible with those who remain challenged in the way forward but always use judgment to ensure that our wisdom is coming from the right place and is not just our pride forcing to the front. Because as we're learning, that wouldn't be leadership. A um, couple more to go. Presence. Lead by example. Look sharp, act sharp, be sharp. Chatting to Kirk beforehand. <laughs> In the office. If you're five minutes early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. If you're five minutes late, it's inexcusable. Luke 12:35. Be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps lit. It is always about being there. It's about being present. Always. As leaders, it doesn't matter how we feel. It's about how they feel. And Rally. You get people around about you, do this, get people together. That's all important in leadership. Be inspirational. You get up there and tell your story. Be more than conquerors. If you can't think of anything to be inspirational about, look out the window. This is New Zealand. <laughs> and if even that fails, I still go wow when I drive down the gorge every morning. <laughs> I nearly crash the car at least once a week because I see something that's just, oh man, that's awesome. Um, we banned the word wow after six months of living in New Zealand. Um, but look, I mean, if all of that fails, um, and I'm going to read all of this out because it is inspirational. Well, to me, it's inspirational. To us, it will be inspirational. Try Romans 8, verses 31 to 39. What then... Shall we say in response to these things, If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? 
Who will bring any charge against those whom God has not chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Inspired? Okay. Right, and the last, the last thing yeah, in, in these principles you need, and yeah, I mean, it really comes down to this one underpins all of them, is energy. There is no point in sitting in the corner quietly just getting on with stuff. It's energy. In whatever you're doing, it's energy. It's, yeah, it's the Duracell battery. It's him on a Sunday. It's... Yeah, it's yeah, it's 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 the band on a Sunday. Yeah, it's playing, it's singing, it's all of that. It's it's some of us, and I say some of us because I'm not always as energetic as I should be. But yeah, it's that energy that just inspires people to actually want to be like us. But above all of those, as we are to be God honouring, first up, we must trust our God in whatever we do. Joshua one nine, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So the paradox of Sandhurst, serve to lead, is no paradox at all. It is the key. Leadership is the key to service and therefore the key to love. Therefore, the start point to leadership is a lesser-known scripture, Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 40. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. So love, as with everything else, is the basis of leadership and service. So going back to and expanding our definition, and then we'll take this one into land. A leader is a person of family, intimacy, lordship, leadership, evangelism, and discipleship, who through trusting God is courageous of will has an intellect, is present and energetic to influence our community, to know him, love others by walking together in Christ. As leadership is service and therefore committed through love, all leaders must be humble. As James states in chapter 4, the spirit that God caused to live within us has an envious yearning but he gives greater grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud. 
and he gives grace to the humble. Now, God has got a wicked, well, maybe it's not wicked, but he's got a sense of humor. <laughs> and God one day gave me a lesson in humility. My last job, I was really blessed. My office sat at the top of the hill overlooking um, the sports fields, the park, the officer's mess, the lake down at the bottom. And I could see everything that went. I could see the soldiers out training. I could see what was going on across the, the whole of the camp. But the camp had a one-way system. You drove into camp, you drove past my office, you turned right, and you followed the one-way system round to the bottom of the hill. Or you went straight down the hill. I'm not quite sure how, but people managed to abuse that one-way system on a daily basis. They almost had to do a U-turn to do it the wrong way around. And it used to wind me up like no men. And um, my, uh, my RSM, my senior soldier, who was responsible for looking after me and um, keeping me away from the rest of the troops, um, he used to come and go, boss, just, just leave it. It's just a one-way system. Just leave it. And I, and, and, and I was good. Until one day, I was driving up the hill back to the office, and I saw this white van coming down towards, the, towards me, and I thought, he's going to take the wrong-way system. They want the wrong way around. And he did. <laughs> so with an awful lot of presents... A stack of boldness. And I tell you what, he was about to get some energy. <laughs> I um, opened the car door, leapt out, and started talking to him. Oh, yeah, I was talking to him. I'm losing my temper. So, talking to him. And he explained he was a visitor to camp. He was trying to get a building over there. He'd just seen it, and just, but he was doing a U-turn. He was going to head off the right way. So, with slightly more judgment by now and slightly less energy... I sent him on his way, and I turned around to get into my car. Now, in the UK, most cars are stick shift. <laughs> so if you don't stop it properly, it just dunks out. I happened to be driving an automatic that day. So I turned around to get in my car, and the car wasn't there. The car was 100 meters <laughs> up the hill. Now, worse than that... There were a bunch of junior soldiers under training watching the commanding officer's car disappearing off up the hill. Now, there's a saying in the British Army, don't run, you'll panic the troops. Tell you what, those troops were panicked that day. <laughs> My lesson in humility, which I still remember and talk about to this day. But look, um, to end, I'll share a leadership hack. Because, you know, leadership isn't easy, it takes time. But I'll share a hack that I used throughout my military career. Whenever I needed to make a really gnarly leadership decision, and it comes from Micah chapter 6, verse 8, what I'm about to do, am I being just? Am I acting with mercy? And am I walking humbly with my God? So, Get out, get started. Don't feel you have to be getting it large right from the start. In the British Army, we start junior officers leading each other to make sure they can do it. And once they've marched up old college steps, they start off with a few soldiers. And we give them a fairly senior soldier to make sure they're getting it right. It takes officers over 15 years to get to command large units. So just like your journey of faith, 
Recognize where you are in your journey of leadership. Stay humble, be vulnerable, and serve to lead. I'll start again. <laughs> yeah. Okay, here we go. So, going back, the definition. A leader is a person of family, intimacy, lordship, leadership, evangelism, and discipleship, who through trusting God is courageous, of will, has an intellect, is present and energetic to influence our community, to know him, love others by walking together, in Christ. You can have the whole thing. <laughs> Didn't come from me. How good was that? Thanks, Stu. That's awesome. What we're going to do is Stu's just got some questions for us to dialogue what we normally do and interact. And so Rochelle's just handing those um, out now. Um, and so just as we do, just nominate someone in the group just to facilitate.